Welcome to Off The Fence. We're back once again. My name's James Fox and we've also got sitting next to me Alex Maskell too. What's up everyone? We're back. Alex Maskell 1 was cancelled. He's been replaced with a much higher brand Alex Maskell. I like the Alex Maskell 2. Yeah, I, I wanted to go with 2.0 but the marketing people felt yeah. that that was too computerish and alienating. Yeah, I need you, to come you, off as authentically human. Yeah, you don't want to make yourself sound like a diehard movie. No. 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 Alex Maskell 2 with a vengeance was a bit long for a passport. Anyway, we're back. We're a podcast, a show, an online talk show, whatever you want to call us. We like to talk about what's going on in the world of politics. If you haven't heard of us before, if you're your first time listening, then thanks for listening. We're on a number of places on the internet. You can find us at Off The Fence Talk on Twitter. It's probably the primary one of those. But if you're listening right now, we're on iTunes as well, Stitcher, and of course, soundcloud.com slash off the fence. We're going to be talking about a few things tonight. Uh, Brexageddon is what we're going to be talking about. Will there be... A no-deal Brexit. Yeah, we're and what fin- will it look like? We're finally putting it to the test. We're leaving it like we were leaving a country club. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to see that how that was actually fine the entire time, just like all the Conservatives said it would be. Okay, so are we going to be prepared for it is what we're going to be talking about later on. Is it going to happen? All those sorts of things. Are the army going to come in? Are we all going to need to rush out and buy tinned beans um, by the dozen? Yeah, it's martial law, every man for himself. Yeah. First of all, though, it's been pretty hot this week. It has been. It's been horrifyingly hot. I hate heat. I hate sun. <laughs> you feel like you've been burnt. You sound like you've been burnt. I haven't been. I, I've been burned in the metaphorical sense. The summer has betrayed me. Uh, everyone else's opinion on summer is stupid. And only the summer has correct. betrayed me sounds like a black metal lyric. <laughs> anyway, um, it has been warm. It has been very hot. And people have been struggling to survive. Obviously, on public transport, like the Tube in London, it's been like crazy 36 degrees on the central line and other places. People struggling to cope on there. And obviously in cars, certain jobs, people at work find it extremely difficult. But obviously there's, more importantly, a lot of talk about climate change. Along with this, the fires in Greece, floods elsewhere. It's I Actually, I refuse to use the term climate change anymore. I'm going to, from now on, use the, the term climate crisis. Because I don't think climate change really actually explains the degree of danger that the world is in at the moment. Yeah, certainly, like, it, it could be argued that it's, like, editorialising, but any further change at this point is genuine crisis. Yeah. And we've got to remember, at this point, we've already locked in one degree of warming, probably more, um, in comparison to, like, the year 1880, before pre-industrial times. So... We're already headed, we've, it's already started and happened. So when you see talk in the media of, oh, well, we actually sort of beginning to accept climate change as a thing now, or climate, the, you know, the accept the changes that we're way beyond that. It's already started and it has been going on for years. And the, the fact that some people out there only think it's beginning to have an effect now, or we should only be beginning to sort of tackle it now, is, is just a sign that those people are catching up with reality. Sure, and it, it's it's one of these things when the tobacco industry used to pretend that there was no connection between tobacco and cancer, and it turned out that they'd been putting out like corrupt and uh, falsified information the entire time. The you know the petrochemical industry has actively been putting out uh, false and uh, massively compromised information on this to deliberately try and deny this. There has been a active attempt by those in power to deny climate change and to obfuscate the effects of climate change so that they can continue to profit and shore up power uh, from essentially the suffering of future generations and particularly of people in the global south and around the equator 
yeah, and that's what bothers me the, the most about um, talking about climate crisis is that it's always based in oh we're gonna have to get aircon for our tubes in london like, yeah we will but what about the the islands in the south pacific and uh, the indian ocean that are basically countries that aren't going to exist anymore yeah no, no no we're going to be regarded as basically like certainly anyone who gets in the way of this is going to be regarded as like one of history's greatest monsters i mean i wonder why people are trying not to live near the equator anymore i wonder why people are moving away from those areas and maybe say migrating to europe yeah it's 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 certainly that there's very good reason to suggest that the conflict in Syria has its roots in uh, supply issues caused by climate change. These are things that are affecting people right now. And if anyone brought that up, they'd be laughed at, which is the thing. That's, that's literally what happened with Caroline Lucas. Yeah. One thing uh, I saw to do with the heat wave, to do with uh, this this week, just made me think, um, and I'm going to go with it now. It was a little cartoon in the Telegraph. You know that cartoon is called Matt, who does for the Telegraph? These kind of quirky cartoons, uh, yes. um, which are sometimes hilariously off point, but uh, we're going to run with this one right now. And it's a picture of uh, someone giving a, a weather update, you know, a weather forecaster, we're giving a heatwave warning. And the tagline is them saying, if you live near an elderly person, don't pop round or they'll tell you all about 1976. Which is quite funny, I guess. But when you think about it, it's got me thinking, you know, 1976, for those who don't know, is like a benchmark year for being a very hot summer. So people talk about the heat wave of 1976 in comparison to now. So you do get a lot of people going, you know, oh, well, it's nothing compared to 76 or or just saying, oh, it's very warm this summer, heat wave, everyone's trying to deal with it. It reminds me of 1976. We're going to get that every year from baby boomers, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be a thing now. Until they finally die. Because we're going to have, like, the hottest July and the hottest September's year on year for ages. We have been already. And that's going to continue to go on. And they're kind of haunting of the fact that a generation that never really took climate crisis seriously. They're, they're going to be continuing to say, oh, well, remember 1976? Until, the, until they fade away. It's, it's going to be like that. that. It's not that anything is changing. It's not that they caused a thing that is, like, many, many people are suffering from. It's that it's all just like it was when they were kids. It's the same thing that reminds me of, oh, I could afford a house in my day. Well, yes, that's because, you know, incomes and house prices were only about three times a multiple of the other. Whereas now you've got to have 12 times your salary, the average salary, to be able to afford your house. And it, it, that comparison is just never brought up in their, in their minds. Next up, Liam Fox. Remember him? The disgraced Liam Fox. Let's not forget that. Ah, uh, yes. He was, I'm um, pretty sure, defence secretary and had people that did not have clearance just in the in the room with him. It's like, yeah, come on in, you know. He's my mate. Let's bring him into the uh, the defence. Uh, no, 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 it's fine. They were white. It's, it's how bad could it have been? So he's actually now, um, he's another secretary of state for being absolutely pointless. Uh, he is secretary of state for international trade. So he's the guy that's going around the world, you know, right now, striking trade deals. You know, in a buccaneering fashion. His like, secretary deals. It's, yeah, yeah. Ex except he's not doing that because they can't do that. He's just sitting in a room, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for Brexit to happen so then he can start negotiating trade deals um, whilst the EU crack on with doing them with China and elsewhere. But anyway. I mean, good work if you can get it. Yeah. He believes the EU are putting ideology before the well-being of citizens. And he said that after Michel Barnier, the EU's chief negotiator with the Brexit negotiations, he, he basically snubbed Theresa May's Checkers Brexit plan. So he he's the one saying the EU are putting ideology before the well-being of citizens. Interesting, coming from a one Liam Fox, who's almost the epitome of that very idea. Yeah, and certainly with regards to 
Wait, is it ideology or is it their bargaining position? It's kind of their job to get the best deal that they can and get uh, make sure that they aren't taken advantage of by like his buddies uh, in the Brexit wing of the party. Yeah. So my my kind of takeaway from this is like, yes, it's hypocritical, but it's also exactly what he would say. Yeah. Like, of course, this is going to be his public position. That you, the, even even if he even if he's being dishonest, you'd expect him to also be this brain dead in terms of self-reflection. Well, I mean, who's his audience? His audience are people who go, yes, they are being unfair to us. Everyone is unfair to us because if they were fair to us, we would rule the waves once again. Also, weird thing, Liam Fox, is he Scottish? Like, is he is he that weird kind of Scottish I mean, Tory thing where they, 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 they have a Scottish accent, but it's so Toryfied and so posh, it, it becomes this weird kind of like, I'm Scottish, but I sound so goddamn English, like I'm trying to be posh. I don't know, but I'm curious now. You've... you've piqued my curiosity he was born in scotland yeah he's killed he is scottish he is so scottish it's the same with michael gove and they've got that like really i can't even describe it and it, it just sounds so odd it sounds like they're they're scottish but they're trying so hard to be english next up uh ukip remember those guys yep they've recently welcomed into their ranks um kind of the alt-light alt-right whatever you want to call that whole youtube kind of cesspit yeah, they've got Alex Jones as second in command. They've got the guy who taught his pug to make the Nazis salute. They've also got the guy who thought paedophilia was, like, basically apologised for paedophilia and said it was okay. Then it. we've got Carla Swindon as well. He's joined. Hell yes. Everyone's favourite centrist rational. Yeah, everyone's favourite. I'm left-wing, except I don't say anything that's left-wing at all. Oh, no, actually, now I'm a classical liberal. But anyway, they've all joined UKIP. You know, UKIP's gone pretty hard, right? You can see the Gerard Batten, the UKIP leaders, turning up at... Tommy Robinson rallies, etc., etc., and now they tweet this: Broadcasting establishment elite Gary Lineker thinks British voters were quote brainwashed and is demanding another Brexit referendum. At George Soros would be proud. I mean, the text already is like problematic, whatever. The you first can almost bit... hear the triple parentheses there. Yeah, and then with the picture it's attached with is basically all of what we said there. What um, BBC people uh, paid, whatever. You can talk about that as much as you want. But the main thing that's a little alarming is they've got a Photoshop mashup of Gary Lineker sitting there with George Soros's head like meshed into him. It's basically a Photoshop it, of George Soros, George Soros and Gary Lineker together. Yeah, or well, it, it's not. It's it's the ghost of George Soros yeah. whispering into his ear. But they've actually taken Gary Lineker's head and mashed it together like an e-fit with Gary Lineker's face as well, and then yeah. had George Soros like as a ghost behind him whispering in his ear. That or Gary Lineker looks like shit these yeah. days. <laughs> but yeah, you can see the obvious anti-Semitic tones there. And so obviously, UKIP have gone full anti-Semitic on this. Don't really care. I believe this was made by Mark Hooper, who's one of the staff for one of their MEPs. I mean, it kind of makes sense that they like if they wanted to have relevance beyond the Brexit vote, it was always going to be as a far-right party. Yeah. And so I guess they're kind of reaching their full realisation. The I guess the problem here then is obviously there are people who are talking about making a a different far-right party. Uh, Aaron Banks has been talking to people about that. It, it kind of makes you wonder, like, are they just kind of abandoning the UKIP brand to people who do dumb stuff like this yeah. as opposed to smarter messaging that they've always had? Because uh, obviously this was always the subtext that like their outriders would put out there. But UKIP itself openly embracing this kind of thing is yeah. quite a surprising change, I think. We'll see where that goes. It'll probably get even worse. 
I'd imagine so. Another thing that's getting worse, according to the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, we'll run through this as quick as we can. This week, uh, figures from them saying UK households outgoings have surpassed their income for the first time since 1988, with the average household experiencing a £900 shortfall in 2017. And interesting, alongside this, it's not not just that outgoings are increasing, it's that uh, households, in result of this, are turning towards borrowing, more household borrowing, and at the same time, saving less. Alongside that as well, we've also got the biggest rise in UK poverty since Margaret Thatcher was in power, interestingly, the same year, 1988. Um, the comparisons are being made statistically. Um, and those are projections from the Resolution Foundation in that regard. So households finding it extremely difficult economically taking a hit, £900 last year falling. And it kind of leads us on to our next topic, is how are households then going to be able to survive what's coming up? Which is the no-deal Brexit coming I mean, those you could attribute a lot of that to rising rising prices for you know a lot of stuff since the pound fell uh, following the referendum. And surely that's only going to get worse if we have a no-deal Brexit. Yeah, prices- certainly with the breaks in trade deals that we're going to be looking at, those part, those costs are going to be passed on to... All the food coming from Europe, i.e. Audi, Lidl, you're going to see all the prices for that go way up. Not to mention items in other supermarkets. It's the course. type of thing we, you know, you know, we've seen so far, like the statistics suggest, last year and the year before, and now it could potentially get worse with no-deal Brexit. So let's move on to that, what we're going to talk about. Yes. Um, on Wednesday, Brexit Secretary Dominic Raab testified to the Brexit Select Committee that there are government plans for stockpiling food supplies in the event of a no-deal Brexit, although we haven't started currently. That was the thing he was refuting. Yeah. Was that we haven't started yet, but there are plans to make sure that those stockpiles are in place. So so I, I absolutely refuse to accept that the bunkers exist, but yes, they will exist in a few months' time. Yes. Uh, this <laughs> Which is probably worse than them existing now, because then you'd presume that they'd, you'd be ready for a, a yeah, disaster. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, or they're going to be made, but we haven't started yet, because that might be a little too secure. Yeah. Uh, but this is, it. quite obviously, this has come following the disastrous Chequers summit, uh, to at least give the impression that Britain has the ability to take a no-deal Brexit to some extent, to try and give us something resembling a negotiating position. Uh, for those negotiations, which is nonsense because we fundamentally like everyone knows that like while the damage to uh, The EU will be significant uh, We will be way worse off and everyone knows that everyone knows that it'll be the political ruin of everyone involved with making it happen uh, The only people who want it are the Tories who have investments that will benefit from it and who desperately want to get away from the, uh, you know, the tax avoidance loopholes. Yeah. And so, you know, you're you're beginning to see like a shift towards at least trying to create a fictional impression that this could happen. Uh, indeed, uh, Matt, Health Secretary Matt Hancock told MPs on Tuesday that his department was stockpiling medical supplies. Note that these are all things you do like in preparation for a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, these, it's fascinating to see these things actually being said in newspapers, uh, suggesting that contingency measures for a no-deal are being carried out government-wide, and throwing people who are concerned about a no-deal Brexit's uh, disruptions into a hell of a panic. It's, this was something that was kind of everywhere, all over social media, all over other press. Um, and this, is, this actually isn't the first time Rob has stumbled over concerns about people's access to food. Uh, last May, he claimed that uh, most food bank users were having, quote, 
cash flow problems and were not actually, quote, languishing in poverty. But uh, with the mirror highlighting that this description kind of allied key reasons for these issues, uh, of the top three issues, uh, the middle one is low income. So the second most significant grouping of uh, food bank things are people who are in poverty. Uh, but the first and third biggest group people are people who are dealing with benefit de- delays and changes to their benefits, uh, which you know are essentially caused by his government pol- his government's policies specifically. So that comes from the very uh, source, the Trussell Trust, that he brings up. Um, and like Dominic Raab is a weird guy in general. He's claimed that small firms should be exempted from minimum wage laws for workers under 21. Uh, he's called feminists among the most obnoxious bigots, compared to, I suppose, neo-Nazis and such. Uh, and he's also, by all accounts, a really weird ultra-type A guy. Uh, famously, he's a third Dan black belt in karate, which makes him supposedly, I guess, very like aggressive for negotiations they were claiming when he took over. Yeah. Um, in an interview with The Sun, a former aide claimed that he refuses to admit when he's wrong and would frequently scream at staff once reducing a staff member to tears. Those were claims from a former aide. Uh, she also claims that he gets the same lunch from Pret-a-Manger every day, which he, which his department <laughs> has denied. That's my favourite thing. And that's Rebecca Tot, the diary secretary who got fired. Yeah, the same, the same lunch from Pret-a-Manger each day. I mean, you can I, imagine it. You, you look at him, you can imagine it. It's a waste of their perfectly good and extensive range of food that he could be taking advantage of. Yeah. That's Dominic Raab. He's the guy that's leading Brexit at the moment. I feel confident in his leadership. Well, actually, he's not leading, is he? Theresa May has said she's taking charge of it. She's brought in all the uh, half the Brexit um, department's you know, capabilities being brought back into basically number 10. And uh, the Brexit secretary, Dominic Raab, is basically deputising to Theresa May. Well, I think that sounds outstanding. Which moves us on to this today. We've had the stockpiling of medicines, food, all that's going to happen. But today we hear in the Sunday Times, someone else is going to get involved when no deal happens. Outstanding. Ministers have drawn up plans to send in the army to deliver food, medicines and fuel in the event of shortages if Britain crashes out of the EU without a deal. Sounds really fun. I mean, this is like the... This this is the least harmful thing the British Army could be doing, so probably fine. Yeah, helicopters and army trucks would be used to ferry supplies to vulnerable people outside the southeast who were struggling to obtain the medicines they need, which I think, from what the government said previously, the areas most at risk are Cornwall and Scotland. So they're going to be getting the army turning up saying, you know, here's your medicines, here's your food. Well, I mean, those are territories that would be... You, we would need to <laughs> they occupy. They are the most separatist territories in, yeah, in yeah, yeah. you know... But it's going to be like the phalangists, except <laughs> with kilts. It is revealed that supermarkets are warning their suppliers to stockpile supplies, such as tea and coffee. I'm sure that businesses must love that. Yeah. The NHS would go on a year-round winter crisis footing, with drugs brought from outside the EU and stockpiled in hospitals. I'm sure that our already massively overstretched NHS workers will love that. Yeah. Steve Baker, big Brexiteer, and the minister in charge of the issue back in March, he threatened to resign because Downing Street was refusing to publicise these preparations. And interestingly, these plans were going to be published throughout August, so on a week-by-week basis, and throughout the summer on the No Deal planning on what they're going to do in the event of um, crashing out of the EU. But they were ditched 
because there was fears they would alarm the general population. I love the idea that, like, the general population shouldn't be alarmed. Yeah. Like, do you know yeah. what they're going to do instead? What are they going to do instead, instead of, you know, slowly telling everyone about the plans each week? Are they going to tweet gonna... it at, like, five in the morning every day? <laughs> no, they're, <laughs> they're going to release them all on the same day in late August. Oh, hell yeah. How is that better? How is that going to alarm people less? I don't know. Maybe it would. I mean, it, it gives... All the bad news at once versus a bit of bad news every week. I mean, that's the typical PR way to do it. You give it all one thing so that it's time limited. Yeah. So do you think No Deal is actually going to happen? Because part of me, when I'm reading all this, I'm like, yeah, they're making the preparations and everything like that. But it seems so catastrophic, the blowback they'd get. Like you said, whoever's in charge of this when it happens is going to become extremely unpopular. Is is it actually going to get that bad? Are they going to follow the ideology of the ERG through all the way? Or are they going to eventually say that this cannot absolutely happen? We need to capitulate to to some soft Brexit. Well, I mean, my first thought is it's probably a um, it's probably about the negotiating position, right? Like it's it's probably yeah. they're revealing to the EU. You think? Yeah, they're probably posturing. It's probably about saying because I mean, even with these things, it's going to be hell. Like even with these things, our economy is going to take a massive hit. No one's escaping unscathed. Uh, my, my worry is that if if a no deal like this did happen, if it all came crashing down and come February, March 2019, it's still all up in the air. Who's actually going to get the blame? Yeah, a lot of people will blame the people in charge. But the people who are wedded to that, the, the hard Brexiteers, they're not going to blame them. Of course not, but... They're going to blame, hey, the Labour Party, you know, this, that and the other, the Muslims, the Remainers, maybe even the Jews. Of They'll course. probably blame them. Of course, but the point is to get the people who... You know, are willing to place the blame where it belongs. You know, get them mobilized and get them out to vote in a way that will be significant enough yeah. to overcome that. Because you're right, we're in an incredibly polarized time and talking about an incredibly polarized issue. So it fundamentally becomes about uh, mobilizing the people who are on your side of the issue. Yeah, that's no deal Brexit. When are you going to go buy the cans of Heinz? Except, oh, wait, are we going to have Heinz? That's probably going to be. Dude, I have I have New Zealand citizenship. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> this has been Off the Fence with me, James Fox. Me, Alex Maskell. Of course, soundcloud.com slash off the fence on Twitter. Catch us on there at Off the Fence Talk. Thanks for listening.